With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Invisible World with your host, Frank Todaro. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to episode 173 of The Invisible World on this February 10th, 2015. I'm your host, Frank Todaro. Now this week, we're going to be very news heavy. As last week, we had a full episode of your listeners' stories. And speaking of which, thank you again to everyone who shared your tales with us. I've been collecting a few more as the days go by, so expect another listener story episode soon. You guys seem to like it. Also, as I mentioned on a previous show, let me know what you want to hear. Are there any guests that you're dying to hear from? Topics that you'd like covered outside of the news stories? You can shoot me an email at theinvisibleworldshow at gmail.com. That's theinvisibleworldshow at gmail.com. Or Hit me up through the Facebook page, facebook.com slash theinvisibleworldshow. You guys have probably been there already. I've already gotten some great feedback on a couple of things and uh, and some names of folks. Just make sure they're still alive. Some of your suggestions, I, I, I mean, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to do some kind of weird session to get those guests on. But for now, let's kick things off here with a giant slice of paranormal news. Say one bit of news, I just had my teeth cleaned, and I keep licking the back of them. It feels feels so weird. It's been way too long. Kind of feel like David Tennant right after he uh, regenerated from 9 to 10. And weird. Now first in space news, the outlook is good for a potential exploration of Jupiter's moon, Europa. We're warned against that, weren't we? The White House's fiscal year 2016 budget request for NASA, which was released uh, this past Monday, February 2nd, allocates $18.5 billion to the space agency, including $30 million to formulate a mission to Europa, perhaps the solar system's best bet to host life. NASA, well, outside of us, I guess, NASA's uh, been studying potential Europa mission for a while now. But the new budget proposal signals a commitment from the White House that just wasn't there before. Now, it's unclear at the moment just how much NASA and the Europa project will actually get in the 2016 fiscal year. It begins in October, October 1st, I believe. Now, Congress has to approve the final budget, which often looks a little different than the one proposed by the White House. So naturally, we're going to continue following the story to see just what happens. And I'm sure by the time we're done with this show, we might have some updates that I'll post in the show notes as well. Now, staying with space here, and speaking of exploring strange new worlds... NASA JPL is a, a jet propulsion library. It's a, proposing a n- new sort of helicopter drone to send to Mars. This is really cool. 
Now, the rover's axis is based on terrain around it. You know, what if there's a pothole, it gets stuck in a pothole and has to figure out a way to get out of the pothole or avoid it. Now, whatever data it gets uh, from the surrounding areas from orbiting satellites. But that's still no substitute for having a way to scout from the surface. To solve this problem, NASA is proposing the use of special helicopter drones like iBats. This is pretty cool. Uh, anybody get that reference? This, this could accompany the Mars rover and help it navigate obstacles and pinpoint places to explore. Now, flying such a device on the surface of Mars, of course, poses a number of engineering challenges. Not only is there a problem with the planet's low-density atmosphere, but the helicopter would have to be light enough to take off while also being sturdy enough to survive the crazy harsh environment of Mars. Still, though, pretty cool idea. We could have tiny flying craft over the red planet. Nifty. Next up from Red Orbit, scientists have discovered indications that liquid water was once present on this uh, the giant asteroid Vesta's uh, surface. Now, it's visited by NASA's Dawn spacecraft, which we spoke about two shows ago, before the Listener Story Show. It's the second largest known asteroid in the solar system. Conventional thinking would seem to rule out the possibility that water could flow on the surface of an asteroid, right? But now scientists are looking over photographs and data recorded during this mission where they've sort of identified physical signs of short-lived flows of water mobilized up short short-lived flows of water mobilized material within some of its craters. Now I've got a quick uh, quote here from co-author of the study co-author Jennifer Scully great name. Nobody expected to find water on Vestra. The surface is very cold, and there's no atmosphere, so any water on the surface should evaporate. Well, she said evaporates, but yeah. Now, while this find doesn't indicate that Vestra was home to whole rivers of flowing water, the discovery does suggest that enough water was present to cause the sand and dust to move. That's the big deal here. Now, the team behind Dawn's mission are keen to discover whether these traces of the same process will be found on Ceres, when the probe arrives this March, which was what we were talking about two, sto- two uh, shows ago. Now, segueing into news of the strange, because that's what you signed up for, from the Telegraph, a 23-year-old student has fallen victim to one of the strangest cases of deja vu ever recorded, to the end that he's described being caught in a time loop. But there's a twist to this. Now, the student, whose name has not been disclosed, experienced such strong sensation of having done some things before that he found himself barely able to function and had to drop out of university. As opposed to the telegraph. The feeling became so over- overwhelming that he was forced to stop participating in several otherwise innocuous everyday activities, such as watching television, reading books, or listening to the radio. He described the feeling as though he were trapped inside of a time loop, just like uh, Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. While most of us have experienced at least some level of deja vu during our lifetime, I know I have, there's a chance that these feelings can get out of control in patients suffering from a pre-existing neurological condition such as dementia or uh, temporal lobe epilepsy. In this case, however, extensive brain scans have revealed no evidence of any problems. The psychology expert Christine Wells says, uh, quote here in the article, saying rather than simply the unsettling feeling of familiarity, which are normally associated with deja vu, our subject complained that it felt like he was actually 
retrieving previous experiences from memory and not just finding them familiar. That could be the first ever recorded instance of psychogenic deja vu, cool name, which is deja vu triggered by anxiety rather than a neurological conditions such as dementia or epilepsy. I'm going to leave it at that. Pretty strange story. Who knows what the actual explanation is, but uh, cool to think about. Now this is fun. Paleontologists have uncovered a fossil, a pretty keen-looking fossil, the remains of this dinosaur that for all intents looks like a dragon. I know we all have had that thought in mind that the theory of dragons or the idea of dragons could have been unearthed dinosaur bones, but this one kind of takes the cake. It's known as the uh, uh, Kijang Long, which means the dragon of Kijang in uh, Chinese. Of course, I'm butchering the pronunciation probably. I apologize for all my Chinese-speaking listeners. Uh, the new species belongs to a group of dinosaurs uh, called the Mamekasaurids. Mamekasaurids, which are categorized by having extremely long necks that measure almost half the length of their bodies. Now, this particular specimen is about 15 meters in length and was found with its head still attached to its neck. That almost never happens. Now, this is a, cool, this is a quest, uh, quote here. Now, there's a quote here from Tetsuo Miyashita saying, This is a cool animal. If you imagine a big animal that is half-neck, you can see that evolution can do quite extraordinary things. Nowhere else can you find dinosaurs with longer necks than those in China. The new dinosaur tells us that these extreme species thrived in isolation from the rest of the world. Now, of course, there's also the possibility that the discovery of fossils belonging to the dinosaur species such as this might have been what originally sparked off many of China's ancient dragon legends. And, of course, this same, same guy ha finishes the quote here saying, I wonder if the ancient Chinese stumbled upon a skeleton of a long-necked dinosaur and pictured that mythological creature. Now, it is kind of interesting because when you look at the... Chinese dragons. They don't have large, leathery, smaug-like wings. It's not the typical red dragon sort of configuration. This is weird sort of serpentine deal, where there's a kind of a little bulge in the middle, but it's sort of even the way they fly, they spiral through the sky with magic. And it could very well be the bones of a dinosaur, just not realizing the big, heavy girth somewhere around the midsection. Pretty cool. Now, next... From Yahoo, and I apologize if I'm going a little fast, we've got a lot to get through this week. Authorities have been struggling to identify a strange goo that has been wreaking havoc on local wildlife over in the Bay Area, near San Francisco Bay. Now, efforts have been stepped up in an attempt to identify this weird substance that's been polluting the water over there. Local bird rescue centers have been inundated with cases of seabirds, covered in the clear, odorless substance, which impairs their ability to insulate themselves from the cold and unfortunately proves fatal. There's a quote here from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife saying it was thick enough to see in the water for a few days, and now you can't really see it unless you know where to look. It's a real mystery. We've never seen anything like it, neither have the bird rescuers. Now, experts believe that the goo is man-made, and have been unable to determine exactly what it is or where it came from. One possibility is that it could be a type of rubber called uh, polysubutylene. Uh, researchers are continuing to work around the clock in an effort to save as many birds as possible. But so far, more than 200 are believed to have been killed, and hundreds more could be at risk. 
Now, it's a pretty sad story. Moving on to a kind of weird one. Here's been a Slenderman sighting. That's right. This is from the Stoke Sentinel. Now, you're right. Your reaction to what I just said is absolutely correct. This thing is made up. You guys know this, likely. It's a creepypasta internet meme born in, like, 2009 or something. Not too long ago. Still, however, there are people who see this guy all around, especially in recent months. I believe we talked about that on uh, Spectral Retrospective. Terry, if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And whoever heard that show, I guess. So now this make-pretend specter is the apparently hanging out in the notoriously haunted Connick Chase of Stratfordshire, of Stratfordshire, where visitors have reported everything from poltergeist activity to sightings of black-eyed children. So it's already a hotbed for Internet stuff. Now, one witness said while taking a midnight stroll around Castle Ring last Friday morning, I happened to notice a strange figure in the distance. It appeared to rise out of the trees and hover over the path around 100 meters in front of me. It had blood-red eyes that shone in the night sky. Now, I want to point out here, her description could just as easily be called a Mothman. They're saying Slenderman because there's a creepy thing there, but think about it this way. When you hear Slenderman sighting, what they're talking about is a creepy thing that doesn't fit their definition of what should be in front of them, and they use Slenderman because that's that's what's at the forefront of their mind. Not to get all final thoughty here, but whatever's on your mind is what it's going to look like. So if it's weird and you're really big into E.T., E.T. will be there. If you think about the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, who knows that maybe the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man will be there, but with red eyes. But back to the article... The mysterious figure was also encountered by a resident uh, of nearby town, Pie Green. Weird town names over there. I was awoken, quote, I was awoken just before 2 a.m. by an odd scratching noise in my bedroom. To my astonishment, there was what seemed like a sphere-shaped shadow by the edge of my wardrobe. It was at that point I found myself faced with the most disgusting and horrific creature imaginable. It was about eight feet tall, had a white face, and razor-sharp fangs. So that sounds more like it. Several of the reports have uh, centered around the witness seeing a figure in their bedroom at night and find themselves unable to move or call for help. Now, these particular similarities, however, could be evidence of something entirely different, a phenomenon known as, you guys know as we talk about sleep paralysis a lot, sleep paralysis. Uh, briefly, it's when a person wakes up during REM sleep, uh, and it's when you're dreaming, it's REM sleep, but during that time, the muscles are paralyzed. So it's believed to be something that we, I guess, evolved to prevent us from physically acting out the movements in our dreams. Considering my dreams, I'm very happy about that. But uh, either way, that's what they're claiming this to be. Now, again, this has been the culprit for... Stories throughout the ages, incubus, succubus, the alien abduction phenomenon, all of these different things that are kind of pawned off on sleep paralysis, which some may be, some may not. Who knows, right? Well, some you know. And you should call in and tell me the truth. Now, as the article says, a sheer number of sightings across the same time and within the same small area of the country suggest that the reports cannot be so easily dismissed. And I'd like to say the same thing, but whatever the cause it's probably not a fictitious character. It's just a mystery. 
Next in real estate news, because that makes sense, the house that Paranormal Activity was filmed in is now for sale for a paltry $749,000. Buy one, buy the one next door, and knock down the wall, create a bridge between the two of them. That's cheap, right? Four-bedroom, 2.5-bath suburban home used to film Paranormal Activity is for sale... The house is located in northeastern San Diego. The listing features a pool, large patio, basketball hoop, and about 100 Comic-Con patrons making pilgrimages to you every year. Moving on. Mail Online posted the story of a five-year-old from Ohio who has vivid recollections of being killed in a fire as a 30-year-old woman. It all started at age two when Luke Ruhlman from Cincinnati, Ohio, started remembering his previous life. His previous life as a young black woman from Chicago named Pam, who perished after she jumped from a burning building. According to his parents, he would often make references to being this woman by stating things such as, when I was a girl, I had black hair, or I used to have earrings like that when I was a girl. Luke even claims to remember the moment that his previous life ended and recalls the actual reincarnation process in which he was, quote-unquote, pushed back down to Earth as a newborn baby. Incredibly, an investigation revealed that a woman named Pamela Robinson, who lived in Chicago, had actually died following a fire at the Paxton Hotel in 1993, just as Luke had described. Now, the boy's case was investigated in an upcoming documentary. It's called uh, The Ghost Inside My Child. I'll get them on the show, maybe. In which an investigation team showed Luke a collection of images of women who were around the same age as Pamela, as well as one of her, and asked him was he able to point her out. To their amazement, he did immediately pick the correct photograph. More and more stories like this keep circling around the net. We've had a couple of them recently, these weird things that kids say that kind of corroborate with other things that have happened in the past. I wonder if this is just a trend or something more. The veil is weakening. Now, next up, we uh, dial back the clock a little bit here. An object which was caught on camera by the crew of the Apollo 7 mission has been gaining attention in the news this this past week after a series of additional shots were revealed showing a piece of duct tape being placed strategically over the part of the picture containing what some believe to be a UFO. Apollo 7 was one of the earlier launches that uh, preceded attempts to actually orbit and land on the moon. It was also the first U.S. mission to feature a live broadcast from the astronauts inside. The idea that these images um, are somehow evidence of a cover-up, like a physical cover-up with duct tape, however, uh, remains controversial with critics, arguing that the tape was often used at the time in the processing of old film footage. But it's out there. The story's out there. Check it out. What do you think? Let me know. Now, about two weeks ago, I got a whole bunch of emails from you guys regarding the U.S. Air Force's investigation into UFO phenomenon being posted online at the Black Vault website. Now, I didn't mention this on the air because it wasn't entirely true. Most outlets neglected to report that these files were actually not new to the Internet, but what was new was that they were in PDF format, making them just slightly more accessible to certain computers. But interest in checking out these... uh, files did sort of blow up as people siphoned through all this material and stuff in their own backyard. However, 
Now, unfortunately, the files at the Black Vault have been forcibly taken down. Fold3, a uh, website that posts uh, military files and is subsidiary to Ancestry.com, actually, has claimed that they have digital copyright over those files. So Project Blue Book and all these things that like are gone again. Crazy world we live in, huh? Now this next thing is interesting. It was posted recently on the blog Who Forded. It involves a possible close encounter right in our backyard, upstate New York, in the 1880s. Now, this should be the UFO Roundup. So let's let's say that the UFO Roundup is starting now, even though this is kind of a an old story. Actually, an old story. More than half a century before Roswell. More than half a century before the whole science fiction onslaught, actually, of Little Green Men and more... Again, this is from Who Forded, passed down through generations by their younger brother as an unusual family tale. The story is set in the remote hills near Cameron, New York, then known as Cameron Mills, in April of 1880. Two sisters named Elizabeth and Ava were on a long hike to their district's one-room schoolhouse one day. They were accompanied by few, a few other children. But as the group approached the small bridge crossing the small stream, they noticed something peculiar on the other side. Clustered from the bridge down the embankment to the creek were a small group of what they called little people. The beings motioned for the children to continue across the bridge, but, there's a quote, their parents had cautioned them to be wary of strangers, so instead the children ran home as fast as they could. How the children described these beings is very unusual indeed. They were said to be small, skinny and oddly colored, in a grayish tone. They wore skin-tight, metallically shiny clothing, and in parentheses he's got alien lycra, and possessed abnormally long spindly fingers. In short, they seemed to echo the classic modern description of alien greys, found in stories of both, both Roswell and the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. Yet this story is said to predate even the earliest science fiction stories mentioning gray beings. Somehow the children managed to keep this strange tale to themselves, though it's possible that their parents cautioned them against telling anyone about what they saw for fear of seeming crazy. But these two girls did share their encounter with their younger brother, who passed it down through the generations to modern times. One of the descendants then told the story to the Syracuse News Times to a reporter, Cheryl Costa, who wrote about it last year. So the author of this post, Mr. Summers, uh, did some research to try to verify the names and place of this, uh, this story and was pretty successful until asked to stop poking around by none other than the reporter who originally posted this information in the Syracuse News Times, Cheryl Costa. So the mystery deepens. If any of you listeners have any information about Elizabeth and Ava by chance, and I know there are some of you guys who listen uh, to the show up near Syracuse, Utica, and the surrounding areas, Shoot me an email, and I'll forward it to this guy. Uh, so thank you to him for posting this, Mr. Summers. And, uh, and uh, yeah, let's keep an eye out. Pretty cool. Which brings us officially to this week's UFO Roundup. Been a while since we had one of these. This one is going to be big. First from the mirror, a flaming V-shaped UFO was seen and recorded by multiple witnesses across two countries earlier this month. 
Reports of the fireball came from both Brazil and Argentina. As pictures and videos started to appear online, they are also posted to the Facebook page. Just let you guys know. Facebook.com slash The Invisible World Show. Now, witnesses described it as a V-shaped object which blazed brightly and seemed to change direction as it slowly descended from the sky. A newspaper in the Argentinian town of Frias recorded several reports from locals, including one who described it as a point-radiating light and moving from one side to the other. So we don't have a solid streak across the sky. We've got something moving with some modicum of intelligence. You've got UFO enthusiasts looking at this as amazing evidence. Then you've got people saying that it's just something burning up in our atmosphere. Who knows the truth? Who knows if it's something entirely different? But the footage is up there. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Next, we've got a report from... uh, We've got a couple reports from MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. This is one's about a large star-like light, star-like light that flew overhead in Durham, North Carolina, uh, February 6th, just a couple days ago. I'm just going to read the actual report. Walking dog. Looked up and noticed a normal plane flying in westwardly direction. Suddenly, out of nowhere, it was as if a star had dropped from the sky and was very low overhead. With bow and arrow shot distance, it was about the size of a basketball and looked just like a star or planet and moved over from my west to the east direction above me. I was stunned. I watched it for 30 seconds, approximately, and then suddenly vanished while still in plain view. Didn't shoot off or fly fast, just moved totally silently and smoothly and vanished as if it were turned off. Went inside, grabbed a cigarette, went back outside at approximately 6.42. For the next 20 minutes... Six or seven planes flew in the exact path that I'd seen the object, circled, and flew again. Planes have continued flying overhead, and it's been nearly eight o'clock. This was not a plane. One huge star-like light. Star-like is the best way I can describe it. It was phenomenal. Totally Totally rattled me. I'm still pumping with adrenaline. Pretty cool. Next report. This one took place in Englewood, Florida, also on February 6th. Was taking my dog out. You can see the pattern I was going for here. Checked both ways before crossing the street to my mailbox and saw what looked like a bright shooting star over the east horizon. Only then I saw it streak closer and closer again, just behind the pine trees. So not simply street lights reflecting off the power lines, which were in front of the trees. This was all traveling west, but then it took several sharp directional changes, a streak north towards me, then southwest, north again. I had to look over my right shoulder to follow it here as it was well behind and across the street. Then a couple quick changes, by now west and paralleling the coastline, then one more sharp turn south, and it's out of sight. This was too high to see anything but the light trail. Obviously, it's very high. A couple minutes later, a huge, low-flying plane, I assume military, from uh, MacDill Air Force Base, came lumbering south, which was a stark contrast to the higher and incredibly faster object I'd just seen. No opportunity to 
catch it on my phone as the whole thing only took about a minute and traveled too fast to capture. This was clearly not a natural phenomenon, given the incredible flight path. I didn't sense anything from it, just my own awe to have seen something so elegant. Nicely put. I only wish I had a better grasp of distance. Here on the west coast of Florida, the Challenger explosion looked like it was maybe five miles away. This obviously covered a huge distance in a very short period of time as the flight reached east to west horizons before it turned south and out of sight. Now, of course, I include those things. It's kind of funny. They were both walking their dogs. Maybe dogs are just in contact with spherical glowing balls of light. But that, as I've just said, is the sort of unifying thread here. Same day, one's in North Carolina, a couple hours south, down in Florida, something similar. Moving on. This next one's from Belton, Missouri. I'm going to try to read this verbatim here. Two weeks ago, my husband was awakened out of my sleep in the early morning hours and saw a small red laser, a red laser light that traveled across the ceiling and down the northwest corner of the bedroom wall. I reported the incident to the local police department. Our first thought was that someone was playing a prank with either a laser pointer or, worst-case scenario, a gun sight. I did, however, have a problem with my husband's laser theory because his bedroom window has heavy bamboo blinds that are pulled more than halfway down. It would be difficult for anything to penetrate the thick bamboo blinds. As far as I was aware, that was the only incident that occurred that night. This morning, he called me into his bedroom and told me that he had seen a being in his bedroom around 6 a.m. He said it appeared to be self-illuminating, very bright. He said it was about my height, which was approximately 5 foot 5 inches, and it glowed and had no face. He said its head was a little larger than human. He said when he saw it, the being was near the bedroom door. Apparently, when it realized my husband was watching it, the being looked slightly over its shoulder at my husband and very quickly exited the bedroom. My husband said that it had no discernible features. It had no face. It was then that he told me that that night he'd seen the laser. He'd also seen an approximately three-foot by three-foot square shape projected on the mirror of his closet doors. He said it looked like a large picture frame and that there were very bright light illuminating from within it with strange black symbols that resembled hieroglyphics inside of what he described as small boxes they were also illuminated. He said he'd never seen anything like that before. I asked him why he hadn't mentioned this before. He told me that he couldn't understand how there was this large Im image in his mirror. It's just a spelling error. Because there were no windows on the west wall of his bedroom. So it couldn't have been a reflection. He wasn't going to mention it until he saw the being this morning. He told me he's very unnerved about these sightings since they're becoming repetitive. I'm concerned because my husband is not one to make up stories. He's a very practical, down-to-earth kind of person. If he said he saw something, he did. But he wouldn't file this report, however. He did give me permission to file it on his behalf, and that he will relate the story if asked about it. 
I found some of the, some pictures on the Internet and asked if they were similar to what he saw projected in the mirror. He chose this picture, said it was very close to what he saw. Now that's the end of the actual sighting report. I want to point out that if you go onto the Facebook page of the Invisible World Show at gmail.com, I'm sorry, excuse me, facebook.com slash the Invisible World Show, used to rattling these things off, uh, I posted the image that she said, he said, was similar to what was projected on the wall. There was no connecting link as to where she found that picture, so I'm not sure what it is, to be honest. I poked around myself, didn't find anything. If anybody does, try to post it in the comment section, maybe, uh, and let me know. But very interesting, kind of cool. We haven't had a uh, uh, close encounter of the third kind like that, I guess, in a while. Now, that was on the third. Moving back over to the fifth. This is from Augusta, Kansas. Says, I was sitting in my fourth floor apartment living room watching television when the sound of a heavy, large helicopter was approaching from the south. Usually, this wouldn't have gotten my attention, but the sound was approaching very slowly. And when it sounded as if the helicopter was virtually about to hover over the apartment complex, I got up and looked out my west-facing living room window. I observed what appeared and sounded like a military-style helicopter was uh, was following very slowly following an object that was a long, narrow, triangular shape and moving at the same rate of speed. I observed this until I couldn't see it in my viewpoint through the window any longer, about 10 to 15 seconds. I could still hear the helicopter moving northeasterly after it was out of my sight. The triangle object was much greater in size than the helicopter, about six to eight times the size of the copter, possibly more. The object was dark in color, as was the helicopter, had two glowing grayish-white lights in the rear and one light towards the front of the same color. Not beaming or floodlight types, just glowing. In fact, they glowed enough that it illuminated the underside of the object so that I could tell that it was a triangular shape, not that the lights were placed in a triangular positions. Or not just that the lights. It was also illuminated enough that I could see that the object had a height and width. The object was dull, blackish-gray color, similar to a black primer color. The helicopter had flashing lights on it, as one would expect it to have. Only difference being that I couldn't distinguish any markings on it, being that it was also a darker color. Now, for time's sake here, I'm just going to jump right into the next sighting report. But for this one, we're going to turn back the clock again. This was posted within the last week, but takes place in 1979, August, North Carolina. It starts, I w- it starts, I've wanted to report this for 35 years, and just didn't. It was in my bucket list of things to do, so here I am. Back in 1979, I was a geologist employed by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. My job was to accompany drilling rigs hired by them to ensure the desired objective was met. In this case, the objective was to locate cavernous areas underneath the railroad tracks that go through the military base. When found, these areas would be filled in with cement to enforce the ground underneath the tracks. Trains often went by. My team and I had to have special permission to go onto the military base for this purpose. Our work hours were overnight, from about 11 o'clock p.m. through the morning. 
on one particular night. The mayor of nearby Southport, North Carolina, Eugene Tomlinson, stopped by at around midnight to see how things were going. He also was employed at the military base. I came down to the embankment in which the train tracks are on, and we stood and chatted. The only noise was from the drill rig, which wasn't that bad since the rock was soft. Soon, he said to me, What in the hell was that? As he looked straight up, I looked up and couldn't believe my eyeballs. There was a perfectly triangular, pure black ship very slowly going along the track. It had no lights on at all. In fact, if it weren't for the fact that the ship totally blotted out the sky, you couldn't see it. But it was absolutely there. I heard no sound from it. Granted, the drilling rig was running, I still don't believe that it made a sound. I stood and watched as it slowly flew along the tracks and out of my sight. I never saw anything come out of it. I do not know if the guys on the drilling rig saw it. I don't think so, because not one of them said anything to me. However, Mr. Tomlinson certainly saw the craft. The weather was fine at the time. I don't believe we were even allowed to work if there were threatening weather. In fact, I recall it being a starry night and marveling at how the object blacked out the stars. The clincher came two days later. I had just gotten up and was having coffee and breakfast in a local restaurant. They had a local newspaper available, which I picked up. As I was eating, again my eyeballs popped out when I saw a little article about how local farmers were very annoyed by an unexplained triangular burn mark in their fields. Multiple burn marks. I recall no details from the article, which was very short anyway. Oh, how I wish I had kept that newspaper. I did not. I took no pictures. I have nothing but my memory and a notation in my diary of what I saw that night. It is sharp, except for things like directions, north, south, east, west, time, etc. I know it was the summer or early fall because the weather was very warm. Also, it was impossible to say the distance of the craft or its size. There's nothing to contrast against it. However, it seemed to me to be flying low. It didn't seem to be huge or anything. Sure, it was a perfect triangle. Not one light have, was seen on it. We had no phones, so I don't know if they would have been affected. I never felt fear or threatened. Only astonishment. I'm 100% certain that I saw a UFO that night, and will never forget it. I simply desire that my sightings be added to the history of sightings for that year and that place. Who knows? Maybe it'll help one day. It's a great sentiment. And a great way to end tonight's show. If we might wind things down here with tonight's final thought. I want to start tonight's final thought with a favorite quote of mine. Of course, it's a line from Carl Sagan in the old Cosmos series. And it states, The absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. This, of course, applies to multiple arenas, be them the hard sciences, the health industry, even theology. And yes, it's a play on words, but an accurate one. We get so caught up on the search for evidence, which we equate for truth, that we run the risk of stifling wonder. When we hear stories like the ones we heard tonight, 
we're quick to dismiss them or, or latch on to an opinion because it's easy. It's easy to take a stand when there's nothing at stake. And let's face it, most of us, our daily lives, are not affected by whether or not a glimmering faceless man was standing at the foot of some dude's bed. Sure, it's an interesting story, but does it really change your tomorrow? I'll tell you whose tomorrow it definitely does change. That guy. Whether it happened or not, whether the triangle was extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, or made by some secret branch of the military, it does affect the person who saw it. So keep that in mind when you become so resolute in your opinions, whichever side of the fence you end up on. Are you doing so because it's safe to, or do you really feel that strongly? And with that, we end this week's episode of The Invisible World. Big thanks to Trash80 for the intro and outro. Thanks to Paranormal A Radio for carrying this program. Check out on their site for the, the sponsors. And Think Geek is still up there for a sponsors. Pretty neat deal this week. Uh, and thanks to everyone who's been sending me emails and messages. Keep them coming. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to see and hear and and, and read and, and whatever. We'll send you beams into your mind. We have the technology. Thanks for listening, guys. Once more, thank you to everyone here and everyone out there. This has been The Invisible World. I'm Frank Tadaro, reminding you to be good to each other and keep looking forward. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.